Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. Uh, today our reading comes from what's known as the lectionary. Again, the lectionary is a selected um, selections of readings that are read across denominations. Today is the day of Pentecost, and because of that, the reading is from Acts chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia... Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Would you pray with me? God, we hear your word. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask for the wisdom to understand it. Amen. There was a Navy captain who was out in the Pacific, and he came across an uncharted island. And when they did, he saw smoke coming from the island. So he thought, well, somebody must be on there. So they stopped. They went ashore. And when he got there, a man ran up to him who's long hair and bushy beard said, oh, thank goodness you found me. I've been stranded here for years. The captain said, are you the only one? The man says, yeah, I'm all alone. He said, well, then why are there three huts there? The man said, well, the first hut is where I live. The second hut is where I go to church. Well, what about the third hut? Well, that's where I used to go to church. (laughs) It's funny because it's true. (laughs) You know, being part of a church is something that most of us understand because you're here this morning or you're watching online. And and we've got different reasons. You know, as as Doug and I have gotten to know you more and more, uh, we've, we've gotten to know why you're a part of Trinity, For some of you, you're a part of Trinity because you're what's known as a legacy. In other words, your parents went here, your grandparents went here, your great-grandparents went here, your great-great-granddad sold his mule so they could lay the first brick in the church when it was downtown. And and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's, that's a fantastic thing. Some of you are a part of this church because of what you just saw, because of the fantastic music. We have, look, in our contemporary and in our traditional services, we have some of the best music in the entire conference. We, we, we have fantastic worship music. Or maybe you're a part of Trinity because of the abundance of children's and youth ministry opportunities. Again, if you don't know, on Wednesday nights for the youth small groups, there are anywhere from 80 to 100 teenagers just swarming this entire campus, and that's fantastic. There's a lot of reasons 
why you might be a part of this church. But I wonder, have you thought about the fact that being part of this church means you're a part of something much bigger than just this church? You're a part of the church, big C. You know, in in traditional worship services, uh, we have a thing that we say each Sunday called the Apostles' Creed. You may or may not be familiar with that, but one part of the Apostles' Creed says that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Now, when I was serving at another church, uh, we, we would say the Creed every Sunday in the traditional service, and there was a gentleman who refused to come in until after we say the Apostles' Creed because he had had a bad experience in the Roman Catholic Church, and he was so averse to that that he wouldn't say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Well, it's important to understand, and beginning in June, Doug and I are actually going to preach a sermon series on the Apostles' Creed because we're going to talk about why we believe what we believe, what we believe and what it means. Well, when we say we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, it doesn't mean Roman Catholic. The word there, Catholic, means church universal. And what that means is that we believe in a church that transcends language and culture. It transcends race. It transcends time and space itself. When we are a part of Trinity United Methodist Church, we are a part of the church of Jesus Christ. You know what that even means? That means we're a part of the church temporal, meaning the church here and now, And we're also connected to the church triumphant, those who have gone on to be with our Lord Jesus Christ. Being a part of the church, it's a big deal. And it's a great thing. And today, the day of Pentecost, is the day that we celebrate that. We commemorate the birth of the church. And what happened to birth the church was the coming of the Holy Spirit. That's why you you see the altar decorated in red. If you go over to the traditional, to to the sanctuary, you see this beautiful flower arrangement that one of our staff, Missy Rayleigh, created. It's red and orange flowers, and it looks like flames coming up off of the altar. It's really, really cool. But we adorn in red, and I actually wore red today for this, because this is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And it was the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, that made the church possible, that birthed the church into existence. Let me, let me give you just a little background. Luke wrote both Luke's gospel and the book of Acts. Acts is commonly called the Acts of the Apostles. And, and they were written really as, as two, two things. It was like chapter one and chapter two. But the neat thing about Luke's gospel and the book of Acts is that they don't come to a conclusion. Rather, they just kind of open-endedly Stop. And here's what that means. Friends, we are living out and God is writing through us the next chapters in the book of Acts. We are continuing what started nearly 2,000 years ago. So, Here's what's going on. Remember Jesus, he resurrects, he tells his disciples, okay, you've got a mission, but before you start, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait for power to come from God. You you know how in the movies when they say, 
all right, you're going to sit up here and you're going to wait for my signal. And when the signal happens, then you're going to go and attack or go and do or whatever it is. And they always say, well, how will I know the signal? They'll say, oh, you'll know. This is that same thing. Jesus says, wait. He doesn't tell them what they're waiting for necessarily. But when it happens, what we just read, it's undeniable. It is an undeniable miracle of God that the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit makes happen. So you have in Jerusalem a celebration going on, the day of Pentecost. That's an Old Testament celebration. And you have Jews from around the world in Jerusalem to celebrate it. Now, how are there Jews from around the world? Well, remember, different people would conquer the Israelites and they'd take them off into different places in the world to live. That's called diaspora, when they were spread out. And they'd have children and those children would have children, etc. And they actually spoke the languages of all these other places. They retained their Jewish heritage, but they were now parts of the cultures spread out around the known world. Well, they all come back to Jerusalem for this celebration. And they all speak different languages. And this day, the day of Pentecost, was also an unofficial celebration of when God gave the children of Israel the law through Moses at Mount Sinai. So you got all this history, all this stuff that had gone on. And what a perfect time. God gives the children of Israel the law, making them God's people, the Jews. And now God gives the Holy Spirit, making them God's people in this new era. So all these people are gathered, they hear this uproar, and miraculously, through the Holy Spirit, each one hears them speaking in their own language. Now, this is, this is an incredible thing, and it is what jumpstarts the church. And if you read a little bit later, so this was focused on Jews, a little bit later in the book of Acts, Peter is called to go to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile. The Holy Spirit is poured out upon Cornelius. They see the same sign to the Gentiles as they did to all the Jews, the speaking in other tongues. And it is a clear and undeniable sign that in this new era, it's Jew and Gentile. This new church is for everyone. And again, we are living that out. We are the continuation of that story. That event is why we are here today. So today, as we look at the church, I think it's important for us to think about what it means to be a part of the church, because it's very possible to let something become part of our rhythm so much so that we just stop thinking about why we do what we do, that we stop realizing what it actually means and it becomes just something we do. So here's what I think it means to be part of the church. First, being part of the church means that we have authority. Listen to what Jesus tells his disciples. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This was Jesus speaking to his disciples. Jesus is saying right there, Jesus is giving us his authority. But with authority comes responsibility. Because what Jesus just said is as the church, whatever you do and say is a reality. Think about this. When the church, and not just folks up here, it's all of you 
when the church lives into who it's supposed to be, it is a direct conduit to the presence of God Almighty. It is life-giving. The church brings hope and healing and restoration and mission and purpose. When the church does what it's supposed to do, it's wonderful. But when the church fails by way of scandal, abuse, public division, or just outright neglect, the damage that we can do, my friends, can be irreparable. When you and I fail to live into what Jesus called us to do, hearts and lives can become closed off to God. Being a part of Trinity United Methodist Church, being a part of the church of Jesus Christ, means that you have a responsibility You've been given authority by Jesus himself and how you use or fail to use that authority affects the world around you in temporal and eternal ways. Being a part of the church is a big deal. We have authority. But secondly, being part of the church means that we have power. You remember when you were in school? I was in education for five years, so I understand this. You remember when you were in school and you had a substitute teacher? Look, substitute teachers, I, I, I subbed for a year before I taught. Substituting is hard. <laughs> because you might have the authority of a teacher, but you don't have any real power to enforce anything. And for the kids, oh, it's, it's just a free play day. Authority without power is impotent. It can't do anything. There's no teeth. There's nothing to make it a reality. However, power without authority quickly becomes tyranny. So through Jesus Christ, we have authority because he's given it to us. And through the presence of the Holy Spirit, we now have power. Listen to what Jesus tells his disciples is going to happen. This is in John's gospel, chapter 14. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. He's referring to the Holy Spirit, but listen again to what he said. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Jesus himself relied on the Holy Spirit. Now you say, wait a minute, isn't Jesus fully God? Yes, but Jesus was also fully human. Now listen to this. Think back in the life and ministry of Jesus. We have no recorded miracles from Jesus until after his baptism. Now what happened at his baptism? When he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit came down upon him like a dove. And that same Holy Spirit, Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to go because I need to, because the Holy Spirit is now going to come 
And he's the one you need. I've given you authority, but he's going to give you power. Now, you read through the book of Acts and you see the apostles doing incredible miracles. They speak to the blind, to the lame, and they see and they walk. Now, someone right there would say, okay, Chris, I hear you, but uh, why don't we see that same stuff happen today, huh? Let me tell you a story. I I was uh, waiting tables in college. My my first year in college, I waited tables at Bob Evans. You ever eaten at a Bob Evans? It's like a a slightly lower scale Cracker Barrel. And uh, I'm waiting tables, and uh, there's there's this, this busser named Craig. And, and I'd always been trying to share my faith with Craig. I was like, dude, you know, you, Jesus, and you need to believe, and et cetera. And he's like, I don't know, you know. So I, I give Craig rides home sometimes. So Craig was talking about his leg. He, he had some kind of injury. And boy, I spoke on faith. I said, Craig, when I give you a ride home tonight, I'm going to lay hands on your leg. I'm going to pray, and God's going to heal your leg, and you're going to believe. So we got to Craig's house. And buddy, I put my hand on his leg, and I did, I did the most righteous and power filled prayer I could muster up. And, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ, you know, be healed, et cetera, et cetera. And I opened my eyes and I looked at Craig. I said, how is your leg healed? He said, no. (laughs) I said, okay, great. Why didn't God do that? I don't know. My best theological answer. I don't have a clue. We don't seem to see the same miracles that we see in the book of Acts? Or do we? Do we limit miracles in this one little box? Do we limit miracles being things that only we want to happen? Because friends, I would suggest that a greater miracle than the lame walking is a heart moving from death to life. A person encountering the real presence of God, coming to God in repentance and being transformed, moving from death to salvation. That is an incredible miracle. And did you know what? We, the church, we are the conduit by which people experience that miracle. That's the way God designed it. Now, why don't we see that miracle happening enough? Because of the third thing, I think. Being a part of the church means we are supposed to have unity. We're supposed to have unity. Unity is the key. Jesus gave us the authority. The Holy Spirit brings us the power. But the unity is the missing ingredient so many times. If you read through the book of Acts, you'll see things like Luke writing that God added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. But you'll also see where it says that they were devoted to one another, to the teaching, and to Jesus Christ. You'll see that they were singularly focused in their mission and their ministry. So again... The Holy Spirit goes out, unites the Jews, and then gives a clear sign that the Holy Spirit is for the Gentiles as well, bringing unity. 
All right, so again, I said God takes things from back here and things from up here and puts them together. Let's go back to Genesis for a second. Genesis 11, beginning in, chapter, or, uh, beginning in verse 5. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were, people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they've begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. Okay, so this is the Tower of Babel. So the people were unified, but they weren't unified under God. In fact, they were unified against God and they were building their tower as a monument, basically, you know, thumbing their nose at God saying, look at what we can do. We don't need you. And God, as God always does, loves humanity too much to let us go down that path. So God says, we've got to knock this temple down. God knocks the temple down. The people are scattered. They all speak different languages. God breaks up that unity of each other against God and people are scattered. But now the day of Pentecost, are you catching it yet? God brings the people who are scattered and unifies them now under the banner of the name of Jesus Christ and through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost is the undoing and the reconciliation of the Tower of Babel. It is about unity. You know what I think? We're supposed to just be honest, right? Can we just be honest? You know why I think non-Christian people don't come to our churches? Because they see us fighting with each other way too much, and they say, I don't want any part of that crap. Can't say that from the pulpit. Oh, well. I said it. It's out there. I just did. (laughs) Can we knock it off? (laughs) Not just Trinity. As the church in general, can we have unity? Can Can we agree that Jesus Christ is Lord and move forward in mission and ministry? Because that's what needs to take place for people to experience the power of God. Not a bunch of bickering. And look, I'm not fussing at Trinity. The joke I told in the beginning is way too true. Folks leave churches for so many reasons. Churches split over so many silly, silly things. And none of that furthers the gospel of Jesus Christ. Arguing over the color of the carpet. That's one of the big jokes. What's a joke? Because it happens. None of that furthers the gospel. None of that is unified in Jesus Christ. Friends, we are, it's no secret, facing a difficult discussion as a denomination but I have absolutely no fear for the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ will go on because Jesus promised it would. He said the gates of hell themselves will not prevail over my church. The question is not whether the church of Jesus Christ will go on. The question is whether or not we will be unified enough to participate in that church. And I believe the way to do that is to look at the fourth and final point. Being a part of the church means we have a mission. We've got something to do. Listen to what Jesus leaves his disciples with after the resurrection, Matthew 28. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I think if we get busy enough doing the mission that Jesus gave us, we won't have the time or the energy to fight amongst ourselves so much. You've been chosen. You have been chosen by Jesus Christ himself to be part of the team. You know, I remember almost 30 years ago now, I was, I was asked to be on a regional all-star football team. And it was such a thrill, such a great honor. And uh, when I got to practice, <laughs> I was actually on the team. I wasn't just an honorable mention. <laughs> yeah, think back a few weeks. <laughs> um, I got to practice, and, and there were guys I'd played against all season, and, and they were the best guys from each one of their teams. But then in, in, in one of the games, I, I played offense, uh, our defensive end. His name was Mike Crilly. Um, he, he missed a tackle. He just, he just wouldn't wrap up. And the coach was furious. I need someone who's going to wrap up. Who can wrap? He's like, Chris Winterman. I, you know how to wrap up. When we get in there at defensive end, to be chosen, to be asked, to be the one to go and get the job done. Boy, that just brings something up inside of you, doesn't it? You've been chosen by name, by Jesus Christ. Look again. Look again at Ephesians 2.10. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You have been chosen to be on the team. You have been selected. There is a mission for us to accomplish. There is a lost, hurting, broken, dying world that desperately needs to know that life and light and reconciliation with God and neighbor are possible. But they have to see it in us first. So today's Pentecost Sunday where we celebrate the opportunity to be a part of the church. And let me tell you, Trinity United Methodist Church you are a fantastic church. The best days of Trinity are not in the past. They are still in front of us. But here's what it's going to take. I mentioned you're part of the team. Me, Doug, Becky, Marie, the rest of the staff. We're not the players. We're the coaches. You're the players. Players win the game. You've been, you've been tapped on the shoulder by Jesus himself. And look, as, as, as much as I like to poke fun at Doug, um, you, you've got one of the best head coaches the conference had to offer, believe me. All the ingredients are here. We got to get busy on the mission that Jesus has called us to. And friends, come in just one hour a week and sit in there. That don't cut it. We got to be unified. Doesn't mean we agree on everything, but it means we agree that Jesus is Lord and we go together holding hands in love. And then we have to take that authority and that power that's been given to us 
and live it out. And when we do those things, my friends, it is incredible what God will do among us and through us. That's what it means to me to be part of the church. Would you pray with me? God, we are grateful. We are so grateful for your church, for the opportunity to be a part of what you have called us to. The church is the greatest thing the world has ever seen. And Lord, we want to be a part of it. So give us grace to ask and offer forgiveness where it's needed. Give us courage to answer the call when it comes. God, give us the strength to weather the storms that come together with one another and with your presence among us. Lord, may our hearts and lives truly be yours to do with as you see fit. Amen. As you're able and as you stand to worship with us, let me remind you of something. I'm going to be right over there. These altar rails are open. If you'd like me, Becky, anyone on staff to pray with you about something, you just come and see us and we'd be happy to do it. Will you stand and worship with us? Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.